Welcome to the podcast, Moving Through Fear, where we explore the role fear has in leading us toward what's most important. I'm Craig Strong, photographer, inventor, and co-founder of Lens Baby Inc. Along the way, I've met a lot of amazing people who've learned a great deal about how to live life well. In these one-on-one conversations, we explore the role fear and negative emotions have played in, of all things, making life better. Hi, I'm Craig Strong, and I'm here with Amy Ryan. Amy lives in Chicago, Illinois, with her husband and two children. Amy's a an art historian with a love for photography, and I know Amy through Lens Baby. She uses Lens Baby lenses, and uh, she does it really well. So, Amy, welcome. It's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm great, thank you, and thank you so much for having me here. It's a oh, joy. Yeah, you're very welcome. Lens Baby has a mission statement, which is we empower artists to move through fear to discover extraordinary creative freedom. And I want to use that as a launching off point for our conversation today uh, and see, you know, where where do you look back and is there a situation that you remember early on? Uh, in life, in photography, in something you tried new, that uh, that statement of moving through fear and discovering freedom on the other side uh, resonates with? Yes, and by chance, it is actually to do with Lens Baby. Because back in, oh my gosh, it was December of 2019, I had just started my um, photography business. And I took on a job that was way above me that I should never, ever have done. (laughs) And um, it was four, no, eight families a night in artificial lighting in front of a Christmas tree for a week. Oh, wow. And I, yes, it was so far above me. It was ridiculous. And I actually was going to throw down my camera. I almost quit all of it just because I thought, okay, there's plenty of people out there that can do this better than me. Why am I persevering? And then I bought the Soul 45 because somebody said, before you throw it down, give this a go. I was like, fine, I'll do it. Like, <laughs> and then that was it. 30 days of the Soul 45 I committed to. I didn't use wow. anything else on my camera and found a love of light. Yeah, I found a love of light. And just completely found that you could make art rather than just doing standard portraiture and what was expected, I think, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I started off the first day, I'll never forget. I had my kids were out just running in the snow. And then and I remember being a little frustrated, but could see the potential. And then it just went from there and I loved it. By the end of the 30 days, I didn't want, I think I ended up going to about closer to 60 because I think I had it on my camera for most of January as well. Wow. And then so, that was it. So the the challenge of shooting eight families per night, was that the deal yes. in, in a holiday setting under artificial light? Like that almost made you put down your camera for good? Yes. Honestly, oh it was... And it was a huge room. 
There were windows everywhere, so all the lights were flashing back off them. It was a difficult situation. I would even find, you know, not to say I am an expert at artificial lighting now, but I would find it a tricky situation now. Yeah. But at the time, oh, it was, yeah, it almost broke me. Wow. And, and what was your experience up until that point uh, as a photographer? I think I had started doing like friends and families maybe in 2018 taking their pictures mm -hmm. and it all started just because somebody asked me to take their pictures and then mm -hmm. word got out and I was underqualified to say the least wow I'd been looking at other people's artwork for probably 25 years so I hadn't realized how much I had learned about composition and light just through looking at other people's art that I was selling and had been surrounded by. So as an art art historian, you were you were studying art and seeing uh, beauty there and you were able to apply that as a photographer. And then people started asking you to take pictures of their families. And then you got this gig, which was kind of a nightmare. Uh, and you almost quit. And yes. uh, well, I'm glad you found the Soul 45. That was a good friend that recommended that and uh, re reignited it. Did, I don't think the Soul 45 would probably be a great solution with its uh, small sweet spot for the family photography in, in bad light, but uh, it, it reignited something that had become a little traumatic for you, it sounds like. It really did. It um, brought around a passion for macro because i bought the um filters at the same time okay and then just documenting my own family because of christmas in january was my quieter period so i'd gone through the whole month and all of mm -hmm. january without any client work so just used it every day um, mm -hmm. i think i did a course at the time about imperfection mm -hmm. in photography and between the two of them it yeah reignited all the fun again and i just enjoyed picking up my camera it was a challenge but a good challenge and i wasn't looking to create traditional perfect portraits and so yeah the joy came back that's really great so you're an art historian how did you get started with that and was that uh, what, what was the lead up to going from, I don't know, as a as a person not educated on art to educating yourself? And then it sounds like you've sold art as well. As a child, my parents used to drag me around art museums. And there was one vacation in particular where we were in France. And I remember they took me all through the southern part of France looking at Cezanne's work, which I really was miserable doing and then at the end of the holiday we drove back up through france and we stopped at Gévenet, where monet's gardens are and then that was it i fell in love with studying artwork i was probably 11 or 12 at the time and then in the uk it's slightly different to america and so for the last two years of school so from the age of 16 to 18 that's like high school first um, I took art history then and loved it. Hmm. And then from there, I went and did my undergrad in art history. And then I went to 
Sotheby's Institute, I was really fortunate and got a place there to do my master's for art history there. And then from then, I worked in a gallery in London before moving to art consultancy, which I much preferred. Art consultancy is placing artworks within offices is mainly where I went. So I wanted to bring artwork to the masses. Um, I think art in general brings makes a huge difference to an office space or a home. Um, and through that, I was able just to study so many different art, different types of art and artists, because obviously each office is different and looking for different things. So, um, and hospitals, we placed a lot of work in hospitals, which for me was the height of it. That's mm. what I really enjoy doing. Mm. Nobody mm. wants to be in hospital. So yeah. why not bring a little bit of joy to the space? Wow, that's neat. The uh, it sounds like you were you put yourself in way over your head on a photography project. Were there any times that you found yourself uh, in a similar situation as you were uh, progressing as uh, an art historian and then then actually placing art? I was very fortunate in a slightly different situation with um, placing artwork. I was actually in a team of people that had a lot of experience that they were able to share with me. So um, no, not so much. I mean, we had the tricky installation issues at certain points where pictures or sculptures were too heavy for walls, but we were always able to overcome that. So nothing quite as traumatic as, um, yeah. As being over your head with photography by yourself. <laughs> that, you had that fear to look forward to uh, in a in a different application of of your creativity. That's that's awesome. I I do find that, and I look back on those things that I became um, proficient at as a child. And you talk about your parents taking you to art museums and Monet's gardens and and uh, you know those things that as a child because the the fear is it, uh, my friend parker fister said that uh, fear is for adults and kids just pretty much approach life at, at their best you know before they've been educated that they should be afraid as an adventure as something to be curious about and it, it sounds like having that introduction early on was a really good foundation for you to uh, be excited about uh, these things that might have created tension for something that that somebody didn't have a foundation in. Yeah, that's so true. And yes, it did really become a passion. As much as I remember rolling my eyes from a very young age, thinking, oh, we've got to do this again. <laughs> and we've got to be in silence to then, yeah, it becoming what, you know, all my education is about. And now I love going to galleries and I've stepped back somewhat from art consultancy um, and do much more photography now but um, yeah I still love going to the museums I love taking love, my camera now what do you love most about uh, being in an art gallery oh now that is a question that I haven't ever thought about strangely um, it's the creativity I love seeing how different people's how people explore art in such a different way. The textures on the walls, the 
way in which they view the world, the inspiration that they have. I think that is so inspirational to me. It really enhances the fact that no two people are the same. How we view the world and how you can put pen to paper or paint to paper or pick up a camera. I just love the variety. And I have an awful amount of respect for anybody that can paint or draw because neither of those are my gifts. And it's so easy to look at this work on the wall and just think, oh, they just slap some paint on. But there's so much more to it than that. Um, and I, I just love that. Is there an artist or a, a work of art that, that particularly has educated you in terms of your vision and the way you want to see the world? Oh, I, from, I think it's gone through different stages. So I remember doing high school, a project about Dega and loving that and loving the sketches and the looking through the keyhole kind of aspects of his work. And as I've gone on, I've recognized that when you pick up a camera and you document, it's a very similar feeling um, or you can create that feeling. And then I loved Mondrian and all of his lines. And then that turned into love for Sean Scully and his work and his layers, although it's abstract and lots of lines, the layers of paint. Um, and I think last summer, I went back to an art gallery for the first time for a while. And it was only as I was looking around, I realized how all these influences have come into my photography, the use of light and chiaroscuro from back in the, um, you know, many centuries ago, all the way through to the straight lines and shapes of the more modern art. And I think it's just all sunk in over the years. So yeah, different, different times of my life, I've appreciated different artworks and different periods of art. So always, always something to look at. Hmm. I I remember being in Europe. Was it? It was in Germany, um, Cologne, for a um, a trade show, and went into several art galleries there. And I have not spent a ton of time in galleries, and I was so I'm not that familiar with uh historical painting of you know i i just am not i haven't looked at it a lot and i was struck after seeing one one <laughs> one painting after another to realize there's no there's no shallow depth of field shallow depth of field is an artifact of photography and every single one of these images regardless of what field of view it was giving was as if i could you know it it makes sense. Like there's no reason I shouldn't be able to focus my eyes on the mountain in the background if I'm looking at a painting, because I can do that in real life. Um, but it was just striking to me having having spent my entire career as a photographer and, and familiar with photography. And it's really a language now where we're looking at photography all the time. And yes, you can get infinite depth of field. And that's one of the things you get on a phone uh, or near infinite. Um, but looking at these works of art, 
and seeing just such a completely like almost a missing element of what I'm used to looking at in visual art was striking to me. And it made me realize that, okay, this is, we are in a completely different artwork in the last 150 years that wasn't, uh, that the image isn't just created in a different way. It's also bringing its own set of tools and limitations that other art didn't have. Yes, that is that is so true because the impressionists would have brought about a certain amount of blur or bokeh, but I mean, that was in essentially the entire picture. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it always was that everything was in focus. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, and and I'm sure, you know, that was just one thing that rose to the surface for me in having those conversations. And I'm sure this is a, this is a language you're very familiar with of looking at art, you know, having done it for so long. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I envy you in that because you've, you're, you're fluent there. Um, in, in photography, how, how have you seen that that progression for you from uh, an appreciation for art to moving into finding your own vision of, of what the world should look like through your lens? I'm still learning. <laughs> Every day I'm still learning how I want to show the world. It has definitely influenced me more than I ever realized. Um, it's the compositional elements, I think, within art and colors that have come into play with my photography. I think, though, that it took me a long time. I did not appreciate backlight, for instance, for a very long time. I couldn't get it, couldn't see the point of it almost in my own work I'm not, I appreciated it in other people and I couldn't get there and looking back I think it's because it was so infrequently used within traditional artwork not within photography for all those years yeah and it's probably I mean that came to me so much later and now I I love it now hmm. um so yes that definitely made a difference so I do believe it's made a difference uh, what are some projects that you're working on or have been working on lately and uh, what kind of challenges and, and uh, you know, new ways of seeing are, are you looking to, to move into and overcome? Recently, I have rented a warehouse space, which was really fun for a number of sessions and focused on the portraits within an abandoned warehouse which was something I've never done before. And we're gonna go back there. I enjoyed the like juxtaposition of having beautiful clothes and ballerinas within a very worn out space. I understand it's been done before, but that was enjoyful to be able to do it. Um, so there was that and Personal projects, I, for a couple of years, have been doing um, two views from one location, so double exposures, and literally standing in the same spot and turning my body so that 
the two views from one location, which are often so different but fit together so well, come across within one image. So the layering. Um, and that just started on a bridge one night when I looked over the bridge and there were boats going underneath along the river and towards me cars were coming in the other direction. And it was the similarities and differences that you could see just by turning has just spiked a real interest in me. And it's helped me look at the world in a different, in a different way, really, because all yeah. it takes is a slight move to see something completely different. Mm. I love that. And I love that that came to you just as an observer, not necessarily that you were you were uh, photographing and you wanted to make it better. You, you actually noticed these elements had similarity to them. Um, wow, that's that's really great. And I do think that that those things that come out of our vision of the world that aren't necessarily about, oh, I want to make a beautiful photograph. Uh, end up being most profound and the things that we can communicate best to our viewers of of our vision of the world. So I want to see these photos. It's one of the challenges of having an audio podcast about photography is uh, we don't get to uh, dote over your photography. But that said, I'm sure we'll see them. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and I think you can do it anywhere you are. You can do it within your own home or in um, a rural environment or within an urban environment so it's just it's just kept going I keep thinking I should do something more with it but every now and again when I'm feeling in a bit of a rut I can just go out and and do that which is fun that's awesome um, you, you talk about uh, Dega and looking through the keyhole what does that mean to you and what, what can you describe the the type of work and the type of work it it uh, inspires so for me, I always think it, it was explained to me as looking through the keyhole, meaning observing from afar as though other people are not aware that you're there. Hmm. Um, and my first love of photography really was documenting. Hmm. So my own family. And then that moved on. I love street photography. Um, so it's as though you... Yeah, as though you're not a part of it. I am an observer and I'm a shy introvert, really. So I love to have the camera between me and any large number of people. Um, and so, yes, I think that's just always been there for me. Being more of a fly on the wall than part of the, part of the party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you came at that from a completely different approach than than I did, which was just pouring through National Geographic uh, magazines as a child, and that was that was the collection that you never got rid of in in many of our families. And so we would have you know a four foot long or multiple four foot long shelves with uh, decades and decades worth of these monthly magazines. And, and as a child, I would just look through them and, and I was just astounded. Like, how can these still photos show me a life that the photographer doesn't appear to be, I'm sure they were in most cases, uh, influencing at all. And so that looking through the keyhole uh, of, of, um, of Dega, 
and his approach inspired you in a very similar way that those magazines and those images which didn't seem to have any any kind of influence from the photographer um it it's uh it's a similar approach to the same i mean a different approach to or motivation for, to the same outcome so that's really great yeah, what have you I, oh, what have you documented lately um i haven't oh <laughs> uh, you know my most recent actually was a wedding um okay. i always claim not to be a wedding photographer um it's not something that I really want to do because I think there's a lot of pressure within it. Um, however, if people would like more of just a documentary approach, I am more than willing to do it. Um, so that has been, yeah, that that was really my last documentary mm -hmm. project. Um, otherwise, it's just in my own family now. Um, my children hate to stand and have their photograph taken. I think I overdid it when they were young, when I was really trying <laughs> to learn. <laughs> and um, so now the only rule is I'm allowed to take their picture if I do not get in their way or if I um, yeah, don't ask them to pose in any way. So, okay, so, uh, so the uh, I want to go back to the wedding. The so I, I got talked into weddings and also similar to you agreed to only photograph in a documentary style, not to, not to be, um, you know, we were looking through the keyhole and that's, that's our vision. And that's the way we wanted to see. And, and, uh, going into those situations, um, was, was of no interest unless we could do that. Now, the two things for me that came from that was, one huge anxiety because here I am, the the historian for you know this this critical, very important occasion, um, and uh, and I don't think I slept through the night for the first dozen weddings that I photographed, and I had all sorts of dreams about sh being at the wedding and having no pants on or no film or, uh, you know, there's, it took me a long time to be able to just go, hey, this is something I've done well uh, many times in the past, and I'm going to do this well now and I can sleep. Um, was there anxiety about your first wedding? Is that, is that something that, that ended up uh being a part of the equation for you as well oh absolutely this is why i still say i won't do them i have yeah. not got past that dozen to um have come out the other side that's for certain um yeah so much anxiety it is it is a lot of responsibility i always think the photographers that go out and do this week in week out throughout the summer months I, they're a different breed in my mind. I think that they must be a different type of person to me because <laughs> I, I couldn't live like it. I'm like you, I have the nightmares and the panics and you just, yeah, that memory yeah. card failure yeah. is so, something that I get very scared about. <laughs> yeah. And that happened to me at one point, it was actually a battery failure. I was using one of the early uh cameras that had that allowed me to use actually it only allowed me to use double a's and and since i use double a rechargeables as soon as the battery 
would get to a dead point, it wouldn't write the, the images. And I had an entire, um, I don't know, probably 20 or 30 images that didn't write. And they were all of the portraits that I did of the couple at the at the reception. And it was a nightmare. So, I mean, those things are, are real and they, you know, there's a, there's a certain responsibility that we all have that uh, we take on as photographers, especially as we're getting paid for it to, uh, to do it well. And um, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, so yes. when you're, when you're shooting a wedding and you're going in with all this responsibility on your shoulders, how do you, how do you make that light so that you can actually get into the flow state or see what you see and, and actually create art that's meaningful? I think that the anxiety ahead of time for me is worse mm -hmm. than when I'm actually in the moment. I think, you know, once you're there, there's no going back. So do your best and observe. So I think once my camera is up to my face and I can focus just on what my camera can see in that moment, that helps me um, rather than all, I always say, all the noise around, around you, which can be so distracting. But once you see moments and constantly looking for moments to capture, then I can't get enough of it. Um, I love people watching. I love observing. Um, so just by watching for those moments, uh, which there are always so many at weddings uh, or when you get a large group of people together, they are the best people watching ever. Um, outfits, grandparents, people that haven't seen each other for years going up and greeting each other. All those happy moments are yeah, just all brought together mm. at the um, at a wedding, and I love that. Mm. The um, emotion is something that I always want to capture: good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, well, good for you. I'll, you know, many of us <laughs> approach those situations and find ourselves in those situations, and it's hard to push through that anxiety—not just before, but once we're there. But I do think that anything in life, you just have to make that decision and say, here we go. And we're doing this. I'm going to choose to, to, uh, you know, find my way through, uh, the disaster story that I tell myself. And, um, yeah, I, right now, are there, are there things that you're, you're finding are, um, are potential roadblocks ahead that you're looking at and saying, Oh, I've got a little anxiety about this thing that I'm going through or that I I'm facing um, photography wise. You're always looking at new stuff with, with lens baby. I know you've, you've helped with um, some beta units and, and are doing amazing work, but you know, as you look at taking on new things, what is it that, uh, what is it that gives you that, you know, that feeling in your stomach, the butterflies and, and the, the sense of anxiety as you move forward, something that you really care about? I am unusual, I think, in the fact that I love doing headshots. Hmm. Um, but I always feel a massive sense of anxiety, actually during them as well, hmm. as I believe that it's often 
on a business card or on advertisements or whatever, it's the first time that that person is being seen by potential clients. So they want to be seen um, or viewed in a particular way. And it's the getting somebody comfortable enough and the lighting correct and getting the right atmosphere within the studio situation to bring apart that part of their personality to be photographed um, that they want the world to see them as because you don't only a certain expression is going to bring the potential the clients to you potential clients turning them into clients um so yeah every time without fail i get butterflies and anxiety and you know some people can do them in 30 seconds and move on but i'm not that person i always want to get that exact expression that they want to see wow and and how do you get to that how do you determine what they want to to project to the world i try and always speak to them ahead of time hmm. and usually conversation whilst we are whilst they're sat i try and get to know them hmm. as you know and make them relax make people talk about things that make them happy um and just check with them you know do you want to become do you want to be seen as a real strong businessman for instance or would you rather be viewed smiley and happy you know which what do you want to be seen as and it's from yeah from there that i try and move forward well, that sounds like a collaboration and way more thought than i uh ever put into photographing the hundreds and hundreds of business people realtors and and whatnot through my studio and uh i now i want you to do my headshot <laughs> it would be my absolute pleasure you would have to choose the lens for me i think it would have to be a lens baby one <laughs> <laughs> well i want it in a worn out space in your warehouse oh yes that would be excellent well, I look forward to that. And, uh, you know, it's, it, I, that's inspiring for me that you're, you're taking so much care of something that photographers, including myself, uh, tend to think of, okay, this is, we're getting this done that 30 seconds. I, I, sometimes there was a real connection that would happen with, with the people that I was doing headshots with, but I, I think, uh, you know, hearing you talk about it, I think you probably would have been the better photographer between the two of us um, for, for most of the work that I, I've done on headshots. So good for you. Well, thank you. I, yeah. I, yes, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, Amy, uh, is there anything that I didn't ask that, that you'd like to talk about, uh, about your your journey that uh, you feel has been meaningful or, or hurdles that you've overcome in in your life um i don't i don't believe so no um, thank you no i mean yeah i i wouldn't know where to start or end at this point um we've covered <laughs> way more than <laughs> than i was expecting um well amy it is such a pleasure to talk to you and to to have this personal interaction and and through the miracle of of 
technology that we can do that. I love it. And share this with uh, people that are like-minded. And, and uh, I, I know that your journey with art as an art historian and how you've applied your learning to your visual view of the world and, and looking through that keyhole and uh, the lines that, that have been challenged, you know, that were programmed into you as a way to see the world, even as a young child, um, impressionism that uh, influences your bokeh and all of that. It's, it's, it's great. I, you're coming at it from a completely different approach and a different light than I am. You know, like I said, when I walked into an art, art gallery in Cologne, Germany, it was, it was all new. Like looking at those, those works were not foundational for me, but it sounds like they've been foundational for you. So that's inspiring. And, and I'm going to have more appreciation next time I walk in an art gallery. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I've enjoyed speaking with you. And I am wondering, though, do you still have all those National Geographic magazines that you oh, had when you were young? I don't know. Uh, we, my, my parents' family went through a flood and my grandparents' house had a fire in the basement. And so it, between those two things, they all ended up being trashed. Oh, no. How devastating. I know, For right? The collection to have had. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, they're all available electronically, but uh, probably, you know, the, the idea of photography and all the photographs that have been created and are we going to, um, you know, take that inspiration and go live life. And that's, that's my sense after those two disasters is like, oh yeah, those were important, but they were important at a time. And uh, so now Let's let's apply those things rather than being kind of tied down by them. Because I'm I'm looking at myself going or my house going. Where would I put them? <laughs> and uh, you know, it's 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 a time when because we have so much at our fingertips that all exists in in bits on the internet. Um, it's it's nice that we don't have to to be tied down as much. And that possibility of hey. I don't have to need, I don't have to have things all around me to find that inspiration is, is great. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Amy, well, you have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for spending time with me. And uh, uh, thanks for, thanks for the inspiration through your photography and through your words today. Well, thank you so much for having me and You're have welcome. a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me for the Moving Through Fear podcast, where we explore what it means to move through fear to discover extraordinary creative freedom.